Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, but we're going to uh, jump into Acts, uh, Acts chapter 4, if you can stand to your feet. Acts chapter 4, we're going to continue the conversation uh, that was had this past Sunday. Who enjoyed the, this past Sunday's uh, conversation that we had? Wasn't that a good conversation that we had? They did such a great job. Um, and where we're going to pick up in, in chapter 4, at the end of chapter 4, verse 36, is that we're going to, in the context of where the early church was, is this is at the beginning of the, of the movement. Um, Jesus has recently gone up into heaven and uh, they have received the Holy Spirit. And, and right now at this time in the church, it's a very exciting time. It's a building time. There's this miracle after miracle taking place. And, and everybody is so excited for it. Everybody is jumping all on board. Uh, scripture says that everybody was one mind and one accord, that there was nobody in lack, that everybody was giving together. Um, and then this is where we pick up uh, in verse 36. It says this, Thus Joseph, who was called uh, by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement at Levi, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then we jump to the next verse in chapter 5. You know, it's funny, whenever uh, this was written, the book of Acts was written, there were no chapters or verses. Everything was just a, a singular thought. And so as we continue into uh, chapter 5, it's still within the same thought from chapter 4. And it says uh, in verse 1, but a man named Ananias uh, with his wife uh, Sapphira sold a piece of property. See, these two, they saw Joseph sell his property and give it to the church. He said, well, you know what? We got property, and we want to give as well. It says, they sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back. Everybody say back. He kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias why has Satan filled your heart uh, to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back, one more time, everybody say back, to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, it was at your disposal. Was it not at your disposal? And why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Everybody say, oof. Man, that's tough. Verse 5. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. So this husband and wife, they wanted to go all out for Jesus, but at the same time, they were trying to hold back. They wanted to say, I, wanted, I want to, to give my all, but they had reservations. They had things weighing them down. They had things holding them back. And because of that, they did not give God their best. The title for tonight, turn to your neighbor and say, no 
holding back. No holding back. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, no holding back. No holding back. Let's pray over the service tonight together. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the house. Let your will be done. Let your spirit begin to inform and communicate and transform us from the inside out, God. We give this service over to you. That we have open minds and soft hearts, ready to receive, God, ready to partake in what you have prepared for us, God. So we are hungry and we are ready. And, Father, we don't want to hold anything back from you, God. Have your way in this place. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house. In the name of Jesus. And, God, we pray for you to give strength to the, to the Houston Texans this weekend, God. Give them strength, Lord. We deserve it. It's been a long, hard time. In the name of Jesus, everybody says, amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. See, I'm a Texans fan, which is a good thing and also a bad thing. And I've learned a long time ago not to pray for the Cowboys. Because uh, last weekend was not the best. But anyways, past football. No holding back. No holding back. When I was uh, growing up, uh, when I was in high school and I was part of the basketball team, uh, there was an exercise. We're not an exercise, really kind of like a tactic we would have if we really wanted to feel what we would call bouncy and athletic uh, and feel like and really wanted to, to, to be uh, as, as fast and jump as high as we wanted. Before we would have a game, if we had a game later that night, what we would do throughout the day is that we, were, we, we would wear uh, ankle weights. Has anybody worn ankle weights before? Has anybody worn them before? If you've ever seen them, they look very cheesy. But you can tuck your pants over the ankle weights and nobody would ever know. And so in high school, what we would do is that we would purposefully weigh ourselves down uh, and we put on some uh, ankle weights, they're like five pounds, three pounds, and I can't really remember how much they were. But we would put on these ankle weights at the beginning of the day, and then we would, our body would begin to get used to the weight, get used to the, to the extra weight that was holding us down to the point to where we didn't even notice uh, that we were wearing ankle weights. I remember one time uh, my friend literally was about to, to like five minutes away from the game and he forgot he still had his ankle weights on. Uh, but the point of it was is really right before we would have the game is that we would take those ankle weights off and then all of a sudden without that weight holding us down, we would feel so much more bouncy and athletic. And whether it worked or not, people would say, did it work? I don't know. But in our mind, we felt so much more freer and light, and we would jump so much higher. And, in, and sometimes we would play better in a game if that was a mental aspect or physical one. But what was interesting to me is that when we added that weight, if we let that weight hold us down long enough, we began to get used to it and get comfortable with it. And really, by the end of the day, we wouldn't even notice that we had that extra weight on, we, won't, we wouldn't even notice that it was holding us back. In the same way, we can get so used to things in our life that weren't meant for us, 
things in our life that God didn't call us to do or to be, but this weight that we carry, we have gotten so used to it, we've gotten so accustomed to it, that now we no longer even notice it anymore. And without even realizing, we are at a such lower capacity than what we could be because all of the weight that is holding us back. Ananias and Sapphira, I believe that they had some weight that was holding them back. They were having some things that were holding them down. They were having some aspects of their lives that held them back from giving their best to God. If there's ever something I, I don't want to do, I never want to be in a position of my life where I'm not giving God my best. I, 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 don't, I never want to be in a place in my life to where I am not giving God the best faith I can give the best belief I can have, and the best obedience I'm able to give because I know that once we give God our best, he does the rest, right? And so the tactic of the enemy is, is that the enemy knows that God is all-powerful. The enemy knows what he and what God is capable of. And so the enemy has no control over the power of God, but what he can do is make us be so weighed down that we're not able to give our best. But the question for tonight is, is what are the weights that are holding us back from giving God our best? Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to go all out on Jesus and on the church movement. We read at the beginning of that scripture uh, that Joseph, uh, he gave the whole amount of the property that he sold, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. And later they saw that, and they wanted to uh, replicate that. But for some reason, after they sold their property, for some reason, they were not able to give their best to God. And it wasn't that Ananias and Sapphira See, their, their problem, their issue wasn't that they gave the least. That, that, that's not their issue. The, their mistake wasn't that they gave the least. What their mistake was is that they didn't give their best. When we are living this life that God has called us, it's not measured upon maybe the same measure all across the board. It's measured upon are we giving our best to God, period. My best doesn't look like your best. Everybody's best looks different. But we all have that same measure that we can give to God. Amen? We all have that same understanding of knowing. And here's what, what really gets me. Nobody knows if you're giving, that you're giving your best except for God and you. I don't know if you're giving your best. You don't know if I'm giving my best. The only people who know that they are giving their best is yourself and God. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira were trying to do. They were trying to portray that they were giving their best, even though they weren't. And we can get caught up in this life and say, I'm going to try to portray that I'm doing my best. While deep down on the inside, we know we, know we are holding back. Turn to your neighbor and say, no holding back. No holding back. 
Tonight we're going to look at Ananias and Sapphira and see what was holding back and go all and what was holding back from going all in on Jesus because for this year, 2024, I don't know about you, but I want this year to be a year of going all in on Jesus. Amen. I want 2024 to be the year where we're not holding anything back. And that's what we're going to dive deeper in is shedding the weight that's holding us back. If you look back at Acts chapter 5, verse 2, it reads this. It reads this. It says, and with his wife's knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. This makes me laugh. He, he didn't go behind his wife's back. So at least he got one thing right. If he got anything right, it was that. He let his wife know. So with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself. Everybody say himself. He held back and kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid that part of it at the apostles' feet. When we read at the beginning, we read about a man named Joseph. Now, Joseph, he did it the right way. He sold all of his land, and then he said, I'm going to give all of this that all of the money I got from selling this land, I'm going to give it all to the apostles. I'm going to give it all to the church. Now, now, not only did he say he would do that, but then he followed up and he actually was obedient and did that. And so because of that, the apostles actually named Joseph Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because that that offering that he made was so great that it encouraged the whole church. That when he gave that, that generous and selfless act, encouraged the whole church so much so that the apostles or the, let's say the pastors of the church said, your name is no longer Joseph, but people are going to call you son of encouragement. Talking about getting recognized for doing the right thing, right? But that makes me think that Ananias and Sapphira saw that. They saw the recognition that Barnabas received and said, I want that for myself. I want to get recognized as well. And they wanted, though, but here was the catch. They wanted to get recognized, but they didn't want to sacrifice. They wanted that same result, but they didn't want the same responsibility. They wanted everybody to think that they were doing their best while deep down they knew they were holding back. They wanted to get the recognition, but they didn't want to do the same sacrifice that Barnabas did. Or let me say it like this. They wanted the fruit, but not the fast. <laughs> I, know, I know we're in this first fruits fast, and sometimes we can see this in front of us, and we can say, God, I, I want the results, but I don't want the responsibility. God, I, I, I want what's at the end of this, but I don't want to walk through it. I, I want the promise, but I don't want the process. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira said. They said, we want the recognition, but we don't want the sacrifice. And that's what weighed them down. And that's what held them back. 
It was that mindset. And isn't that what pride does to us? Pride makes us be in a mindset that says, God, I want your peace, but I don't want to pray. It can put us in a mindset that says, God, I, I want to, to receive your wisdom, but I don't want to spend time in your word. And it put us in this mindset of saying, God, I am entitled to this, but I don't need to put anything into it. And pride can hold us down. That pride can hold us back. That pride can make us say, God, I want your calling, but I still want control. And Ananias and Sapphira say, God, I want the recognition for my generosity while well, not being generous. And that prideful mindset held them back and held them down. And that's what pride will do. It will convince us that we don't have to do what others do, but expect the same results. Pride will convince us and say, oh, you don't have to do that. I don't have to do this. I don't have, I don't. I don't have to spend time in God's presence to get the peace that I need. I can, I can, I can just get it like that. I can, I can just get it by, by, by spending some time on, on watching a, a YouTube message or, or spending time in church for a little bit, but not really in his presence. No, we can't have that mindset of pride or it's going to hold us back. That's point one for tonight. It's that the first thing that we have to detach from is pride. Everybody say pride. The first thing we have to detach from is pride. Proverbs 11.2 says it like this, that when pride comes, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. See, pride says I'm entitled to this. Humility says I'm not entitled to anything. Pride says I'm good. Humility says God is good. Pride says serving is below me. Humility says I'm here to serve. Pride says, I deserve that blessing. Humility says, every blessing is a gift from God. Pride will put us in this mindset. If we don't let it go, if we don't de detach from, from pride, it will hold us back so much. It will put us in a place so far from God's purpose. It will hold us and weigh us down so much that we will be convinced that it's not us in the wrong. It's not us that's doing what, what is keeping us back, that for some reason, somehow, it's everybody else's fault. And pride says, it's not me, it's you. Ever heard that? Pride says, oh, it, it, it's, it's not me. I'm right. I'm good. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. I'm doing what I, I, I'm doing everything right. If things aren't aligned how it's supposed to, it's not my fault, it's yours. And pride will make you point fingers at everybody else except for yourself. But it's time to detach from pride. 
when we cut off the weight of pride, that's when we can step forward into our purpose. When we say, God, I'm not trying to seek after my own. I'm trying to seek after you. God, I'm not trying to go out and try to build my own platform, but God, I want to build a platform for you. As soon as you detach from that spirit of pride, can I tell you, all of a sudden now you're on the path for your purpose. And God's going to be able to then instruct and direct. Why? Because he can trust your heart. He can trust your heart. That's a prayer. Say, God, let me be in a position where you can trust my heart. If there's pride, God, remove it. If there's anything holding me back, remove it. If there's anything that's weighing me down, God, remove it. I want to be in a position where you can trust my heart. And God can't trust a prideful heart. Because a prideful heart will take the glory for themselves. If God blesses a prideful heart, as much as God wants to bless us, he knows if he blesses a prideful heart, the glory is not going to go to him. The glory is going to go to that person. That person's going to say, oh, this is all because of me. All those blessings is because of what I did right. All these things is because of how much experience and knowledge and talent that I have. But that's not a humble heart. A humble heart says, all that I have is all because of him. A humble heart says, all the good things that I have, it comes from God. And when you have that heart of humility, God says, I can trust that. I can bless that. Amen. I can bless that because his heart's in the right place. Turn to your neighbor and say, detach from pride. Detach from pride. In the following scripture in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, it says this. And this is Peter talking to Ananias. He says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Everybody say lie. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Oof, that's another oof. Let me tell you this. There's a lot of oofs, okay? But let me tell you this. One of the biggest oofs of all is trying to think you can lie to God. Man. Trying to think that you can live a life. You, know, you might be able to fool people, but you can't fool God. You might be able to convince people that you're doing your best and that your heart is right, but God sees the truth. God sees your heart. And Ananias and Sapphira are going to say, we're going to bring this large amount, and everybody's going to think that it's our best. Everybody's going to think it's what we promised to give, and everybody's going to recognize us. Shoot, we might get new names like Barnabas did at the end of this. They might call us husband and wife of generosity. But God saw their heart. And God knew they weren't giving their best. And God knew that they were holding things back. And Peter said, why would you lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Out of their pride, they lied to the Holy Spirit. And really, that's what the crime was. It wasn't that they, it wasn't the amount that they were giving. And some people can read this and say, okay, well, that means I need to sell everything and give that to the church. Unless God tells you, okay? That's what I'm going to say. But no, that doesn't mean that. It means giving your best and not lying otherwise. 
And that's what Ananias and Sapphira did, is that they lied to God and said, God, I'm giving my best. God, I'm giving my all. While all knowing at the same time the reservations that they were holding and what that they were doing. Their crime was that they promised God that they were giving their best while knowingly holding back. And that is what led them to lie to the Holy Spirit. That is what led them to go down that path of deception. And if there's something that holds us back and weighs us down, it's the lies of the enemy. If there's something that will hold us back from giving our all to God, it's us not knowing what the truth is and giving in to the lies of the enemy. Giving in to things that we know is not true, but because of the lies we now are holding back, based not upon what God said, but what others said. And that's point two for tonight is disconnect. Everybody say disconnect. Disconnect the lies. Scripture says that the devil is the father of all lies, that there is no truth in him, that he came to steal, kill, and destroy, that he, he came that whenever the enemy begins to talk to you, there is no truth in it. Sometimes, I've heard this before, where, there's, where they begin to say what the lies they're dealing with, and they begin to say maybe these insecurities are truth. But let me encourage you right now that if the enemy has ever told you something, just know that there's no truth in it. So that means if the enemy has told you that you're not going to be a good husband or be a good wife, then you need to begin to rejoice and know that the opposite is true and that you are going to be a good husband or good wife or that you are going to be a good father or be a good mother. Why? Because there is no truth in the enemy. He is incapable of the truth. All he can say is lies. And we have to know how to disconnect the lies of the enemy. How to disconnect the lies that hold us back and that hold us down. I don't know what the enemy is trying to convince you of, but we have to learn to disconnect. Everybody say disconnect. We have to learn how to disconnect from the lies. Because if we can't disconnect from the lies, now all of a sudden those lies are now giving us direction. And now, we're not basing our life on the truth. We're basing our life on lies. And we're saying, well, I would apply for that job, but the enemy has convinced me that I don't have the experience for it. I don't have the knowledge for it. Or that I, I, I didn't graduate from that specific uh, college I needed to, and so I'll never be able to. And before we know it, now truth is not what is giving us direction. Lies is what gives us direction. And we're saying, what can I do based upon the lies that the enemy is telling me? The enemy says, I'll never be this and never be that. So I can't even try to go. I can't go out and be a good father because I, I was raised not having a good father. I can't go out and be a good husband or be a good wife because I come from a family who's never known anything but divorce and being cheated on. I, I can't go out and start this business because nobody in my family has ever started a business. I, I can't go out and begin to make a difference for Jesus because nobody 
nobody in my family even knows who Jesus is. And before you know it, you will be making decisions based on lies. And you will begin your direction based on what the enemy has convinced you of. But there's only one way to combat lies, and that's the truth. Amen? There's only one way to push back the darkness of the lies, and that's with the light of truth. And truth has a name, and his name is Jesus. So now you can do something like this. When the enemy says that you're not able, then you can say, well, we'll hold up. No, Jesus says that I'm more than a conqueror. Whenever the enemy says that you are too weak, you can say, whoa, 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 hold up. Where I am weak, he is strong. Whenever the enemy tries to convince you that the sins of the old will dictate what the future will hold for yourself, you say, whoa, 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 hold up. I'm a new creation in Christ. It doesn't matter what's behind me. All that matters is what is in front of me, and that's Jesus. We have to disconnect. Everybody say disconnect. We have to disconnect the lies. But what held back Ananias and Sapphira wasn't just the lies that they received. It was the lies that they said. They were held back because of the lies that were coming out of their mouth. You have to be careful what you say. Because a lie said enough starts sounding like the truth. A lie said enough times, it will begin to sound like the truth. And before we know it, really the most common lies we tell ourselves is that we begin to justify the wrong actions and outcomes in our lives, and we begin to justify for them and begin to make reasons for them. And otherwise, those are, those are commonly known as excuses. The most common lie that we have are excuses. Nobody look at your neighbor. But the most common lie we can convince ourselves are making excuses for ourselves. You ever heard this one before? I would be so much closer to God if it wasn't for so-and-so. Man, I, I would be such a better employee if it wasn't for that person. Or, or I, would, I would be so much of a generous person if I just had more in a bank account. And we, or I would, I would serve so much more if I had more time. And we make excuses that really are lies, we make excuses, and before we know it, those excuses turn into truths in our mind. And we're saying, well, I'm never really going to be able to be where I want to be with God because of so-and-so, or I'm never really going to be able to be the kind person I want to be because of what happened in my past. If that would have happened in my past, if that person would have done that to me, I would be a way nicer person right now. Right? I would be a way more forgiving person if that person would have hurt me 10 years ago. And we make excuses and we begin to build upon it. And before we know it, we begin to repeat these lies, and a repeated lie will begin to sound like the truth. And it'll feel like ankle weights. 
but it's time to disconnect the lies. Whenever the enemy tries to convince you of what is wrong, you always have to turn around and tell him what is right. The best way I've learned to combat against lies is to not give him any time to build a stronghold in your mind. The best way to push back the lies of the enemy is anytime one comes in your mind is to begin to push it out with the truth of God's word. The quickest way to, to, to remove it is you got to respond to it. Don't bury it. Because what people do, they, say they have these lies and insecurities and excuses, and they bury it deep. But what happens when you bury something? It grows. Roots begin to seep down. It grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you're so used to this, to this excuse, to this lie. Now it's become a part of who you are, and now it's a crutch that you lean on. And you'll look back. And you'll say, man, I would have been so much a better person if that never happened. But it happened. And so now I can't. And you lean on it. But God wants to disconnect those lies. God, we thank you for your truth in this moment, God. We thank you right now. It's wherever you're at. Begin to think about what's a lie that the enemy has been trying to convince you of. God, we thank you right now for the freedom of that. God, we thank you right now for removing that. I don't care if that insecurity has been there since your childhood. We remove it right now in the name of Jesus. God, we command all lies to go, all deceit to go, all insecurities to go. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for your truth. And we thank you for your identity, God, being sprouted so deep, God, that a lie will not shake. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Everybody says amen, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. We're almost done tonight. Move on to Acts chapter 5, verse 4. And this is Peter still talking. He says, while it remained unsold, he's talking to Ananias. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it? Everybody say why. He said, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Peter was telling this. He says, he says look, Ananias, we didn't ask you to sell your land. We didn't even tell you the amount to give. That was your decision, and you were free to make it. But why would you, after promising your best and telling God that you would give your all, why would it right before you would give, you would hold back? What, what contrived in your heart? What was it that was holding you back? I think that there are many aspects in life that can be gripped by a spirit of greed. Sometimes when we think of greed, we just think of money, right? You think of greed, you think of possessions, you think of money. But I've seen people get really greedy over relationships. 
I've seen people get really greedy over their time. I've seen people get really greedy over their talent, and it's all the same. And what happens is that we can be convinced, we can be convinced to hold back from God because we need it for ourselves. We can be convinced of saying, you know what, I could go and spend that more time whether it be in a serve team or I could go and on a Wednesday night on a deeper service go to church, but that time might be better spent taking a nap. And you get a little greedy of it. Or you can get greedy of relationships and your time. But that's really what struck Ananias and Sapphira is that the right at their moment where they could have given their all, greed gripped a hold of them and they held back from God. When they could have gone all in for Jesus, when they could have gone all in for God, greed gripped a hold of them and it held them back. And that's point three, four tonight. It's, and that's dismiss. Everybody say dismiss. Dismiss greed. There are so many times where I, I think sometimes we don't even notice it. But there's moments even when it's time with spending time with God. There, there has been moments where I've had to even check myself where I, I have an alarm on my phone. And, and Haley knows we have an alarm on Alexa. And Alexa will say, it's time for a devotion at 9 p.m. And we even have it set up. You might laugh. We kind of have a smart home. We have it even set up to right at 9 p.m., it turns off our TV. There's been times I've been watching the game. And I hear Alexa say that. And I know i got about 30 more seconds. And then she turns off the TV. And there's been times in that moment I reach for the remote to turn it back on. Because I'm saying maybe my time... It's better spent watching this basketball game than would be in the presence of God. Let me say this. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. There's been many times I picked up that remote. God forgive me. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. But if we're not careful, we could let that greed become a consistency in our life. We're in that moment where we could go all in. And go all out, a spirit grabs a hold of us and says, well, what about me? And it grips you. And you're saying, well, if I give God all of my time, there's going to be no time left over for me. If I, if I give God, if I, if I give God all, all of this aspect of my life, where is that now going to be? For me, we can get greedy, and it can grip us, and we can't shake it, and we, now we try to think about what's the least amount I can give God and get away with it, right? And I said, so far, I said, hey, I, I can't give my all, but I can maybe give this, and it gripped them, and it held them back, and it held them down. 
But we can't allow that spirit to hold us back no longer. Let us instead be in such a place of our belief and faith to God. So whenever that opportunity comes, we don't get greedy. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't get greedy. When that moment comes and we see a church, again, don't look around. We see a church member with a flat tire on the side of the road, we don't say, oh, man, I got a lot to do today. But instead we say, well, what's the most I can do for God today? Not, not what's the least I can do for God and get away with it. What's the most I can do for God today? Because I don't want to get greedy. Because what happens, this is what scripture says, when people get greedy, people fall short. And we think that we're getting a lot by bringing it closer to us and saying, God, you can't have that. You can't have this. You can't have this because I need it for myself. And the funny thing is, is that we think we have so much. When in reality, we have so little. And God is the one who has so much. God is the one that can offer us blessings and provision that goes beyond our imagination. But we get greedy. And that greedy grips us and holds us back. Worship team, you can join me. I want to read Luke 12, verse 15. It says this, this is Jesus talking about greed. He said, beware. Everybody say beware. beware. Say guard against every kind of greed. Every kind. Every kind. He didn't say say money. There's some people who are very greedy of their time, of their relationships, of their screen time. They get really greedy. But he said this, life is not measured by how much you own. What greed will create inside of us is that greed will lead us to chase after the riches of the world, but then miss out on the riches of God. Greed will cause us to chase after possessions, after the things that the world can offer, but we'll miss out on what God offers. And can I tell you about greed? Greed will lead you to getting what you want. The enemy's not going to stop you. The enemy's not going to be like, oh, well, man, this guy really wants a lot in his bank account. He's, let him have it. Go after it. Because he knows that's not going to lead you down. He knows that a greedy heart isn't what's going to lead you down the path of God. And so there's a lot of times where people get discouraged because they see greedy people have all these things. And they think, well, I got to be like that. I, I got to live life like that. Not looking out for others, but only looking out for myself. I need to live a life like that to where I'm only caught up in the possessions of this world and not of the things that God can offer. But the reality is, Jesus said it. Your life is not measured by your possessions. Life is not measured by how much you own. 
Life is not measured by how much you have in the bank account or how many followers you have on Facebook. That's another thing people get greedy about. Life is measured by the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Life is measured about the riches of God in your life. I don't want to be rich in the world but poor in the Spirit. I don't want to be rich in culture but poor in my calling. I don't want to have so much gathered up for me on this earth but nothing gathered up for me in heaven. Instead, I want to live a life that says, I know that this world is but a vapor. It's gone like that. I'm not here to gather up possessions on the world. I'm here to gather up what God, the blessings, the purposes that he has called for me. I'm, I'm here not so that way I can get things for myself. I'm here to be obedient to God and gather things up in heaven. Scripture says it like this, that when we begin to be obedient to him, that our reward, everybody say reward. Our reward is in heaven. Do not settle for the rewards of this world. Don't settle for the possessions of this world. But God has called us to so much more. And this year, we can't let anything hold us back. Can you stand to your feet? closing I want to close in Mark chapter 10 verse 45 it says for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, the Son of God, who was here from the beginning, who all things belong to him. He could have came to this earth and said, let's round up the possessions. Let's round up all the things that this world has to offer. He was even tempted with that in the wilderness from the enemy. But that's not why he came. He could have said, all this belongs to me, so you need to give it to me. But he didn't come for the possessions of the world. But he came to serve others, to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to give his life for us. Jesus came. To go all out for us. Let me say this about Jesus. He didn't hold nothing back. He went to that cross with no reservations. He could have avoided the pain. He could have avoided the whippings and the lashings. He could have avoided the price. But he didn't hold nothing back.
in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, I could, I could call an army of angels to save me. So he wouldn't have to go through the cross, but he didn't. He could have held so much back. He could have, Jesus could have had a mindset and said, what's the least I could do to get by? But Jesus spilled it all for us. Jesus gave his all for us. Jesus didn't hold anything back. And that's the closing thought for tonight. Is don't hold anything back from Jesus. Because Jesus didn't hold anything back from you. Pastor CJ, why should I not hold anything back? Why? Because Jesus didn't hold anything back from you. Why, why should I go all in for Jesus? Because Jesus went all in for you. Why, why, why should I live this life of not just trying to give, get by, but why should I give my best to Jesus? Because Jesus gave his best for you. And if there's something that should be a response in our spirits to the goodness of God, it's saying, God, I don't want to hold anything back. It's saying, God, I don't want to live a life of just getting by. I don't want to live a life of giving less than my best. But, God, I want to go all in for you. I want to go all in. I don't want to hold anything back. I want to welcome our pastors and prayer partners to the front. I want us to pray together and as we worship during this next song. I want us to pray together and if there is something that's holding you back, come to the front, come to the altar and give it to God. If there's something that's holding you down, that's weighing you down from giving your best. Come to the front and give it to God. If there's something you're saying, Pastor CJ, I can't get past this pride or this lie or this addiction or this, this weapon that the enemy is pushing against me. Come to the front. Give it to God. And don't let it hold you back no longer. Don't let the enemy steal what God wants for you. Come on, with every hand lifted, let's begin to sing together. Let the Holy Spirit begin to work on your heart. And come to the front if you need prayer. The altars are open. Come on, give it all to Jesus tonight. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all. We we'll give you our all tonight. Come on, sing it out.
press into this moment. Come on, press into this atmosphere. I feel God's presence in this house. If there's something that's holding you back, it's time to give it to God. Don't live 2024 still held down and held back from the past. Come on, press in. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for freedom. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for boldness. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for strength. Come on, lift up your voice. Press into the atmosphere and don't hold anything back. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. very strongly there is a spirit of freedom and breakthrough in the atmosphere right now if you're needing breakthrough from things that have been holding you back maybe it's an addiction maybe it's a mindset maybe it's something that you've been holding on to for years decades even right now if that's you just lift up your hands and we're gonna pray God we thank you right now for breaking God every stronghold for breaking God any type of addiction but let there be freedom in the name of Jesus, that by your spirit, God, and your name, let there be freedom, God, from alcoholism. Let there be freedom, God, from any, God, God, addiction to any drug, God, to pornography, Father, to anything that is holding them down. Let right now your spirit break it and let you begin, God, to, to break through, and God, that there's gonna be nothing holding them back any longer, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for breakthrough. We thank you for your freedom. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, one more time. Let's sing it out. Let's sing it out. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. 
For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.